Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Matt Schneider from Fargo Shields Outdoors, and you are listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today we are joined by Matt Schneider, who some of you might know as Mustache Matt from the Fargo page. We have him here in studio today, but he doesn't have a mustache, so it's a little bit awkward here, to be honest. But, you know, we're going to go with it anyways. He's going he's gonna to make up for it by giving some of his favorite fishing spots, so that'll, that'll work. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Some things have obviously changed since you've seen me last. So um, I definitely shaved at the wrong time because now we're in the heart of winter and my face gets really, really cold. So, I mean, I deal with my own with my own things over here. So, but no, we're doing good. We're excited to talk. So, yeah. All right. Good to hear. Yeah, you definitely have had a little bit of a change here. Can you uh, can you talk with us a little bit about how you started with uh with Shields and what your role is now? Yeah, so I started at Shields in uh, 2018 as a part-time associate up in the fishing department. Um, had a lot of fun for a couple of years, was selling, uh, then ended up moving to an SSM position. So that's just a specialty shop manager. So I was helping running the fishing department for about a year and a half now. And uh, now a little bit little bit of a change for me. I am now downstairs in the marketing office running the Fargo Shields outdoor Instagram page. So taking over the social media role now. Very nice. Hey, you know, it's not such a bad gig. I'm, I'm kind of doing that myself. So are you, are you going to get soft now that you got an office job though? Yeah. I mean, I got told that I was going to gain 10 pounds as soon as I sat down in that desk. So I'm doing the best I can to just keep trekking on the ice and stuff like that to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's funny. So yeah. Speaking of ice, how's, how's your ice season been going so far? You know, from as much as I can look back at previous ice seasons, I mean, this ice season has been incredible for me. Uh, lots of great memories, lots of great laughs, a lot of great people I've been taking out on the ice. So I'm super excited about that. And just the fishing has been phenomenal. So, um, transportation wise has been a little bit of a struggle, uh, now with all the snow up here, but yeah, ice fishing has been incredible for me this year. Can't mm-hmm. even lie about that. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah. The mother nature has been a little bit interesting as far as the ice season goes, you know, like we didn't, we didn't really get a ton of ice really early. And then all of a sudden we get that cold snap and then all of a sudden we get a whole bunch of snow on top of it. So has that, uh, has that caused any sort of shift in your fishing style? Oh yeah. I mean, it definitely makes you wonder, you know, if you don't have a snowmobile or a four wheeler or something like that to get out on the ice, you know, you kind of sit there and you wonder where you're going to be going fishing the next day. That's not going to make you die on the ice. You know, um, there's so much snow on the lakes. I was just out the other day and we had to go through four different slush pockets to get to our spot. So, and the spot that we were fishing, long story short, did not have any slush on it. But my buddy went back the next day 
and being that we were drilling holes and bringing water onto the ice, the whole 100-yard stretch where we were fishing completely packed with slush. So he couldn't even go back there and fish the next day because, I mean, all the slush was terrible to fish in. So it definitely hinders you a little bit to try to figure out what spot you want to fish, but the fishing has been incredible this year. So it's just a matter of getting out on the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've kind of I've kind of been in that same boat too, you know. Like people ask me, like I'll be fishing a spot, and it's like, okay, can you get vehicles out there? I'm like, well, you know, you can, but you a lot of times you can't get to the spot that you really want to go to with a vehicle unless you've got like a plow and make sure to have a shovel mm-hmm. and maybe a couple <laughs> vehicles handy just in case when you're going out there. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's definitely been a little bit different of a dynamic, but. A lot of times I'll fish with a snowmobile and I'll do a lot of run and gun sort of fishing anyways. So mm-hmm. to me, it kind of plays perfectly into my hand because I, I'm, I like to be more of an aggressive style, you know, and not to say I don't enjoy my time in a hard sided house too, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, this year has been a little catered toward that, uh, toward that run and gun fisherman. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I have a snowmobile at home, but it is a 1997 and she's not running up to par right now. So I would hate to literally just take that into the slush pockets and get it stuck like seven times. So I'm just going to leave it at home until I get it running properly. But then, yeah, I'm going to be in the same boat, Um, especially, you know, me and you, we like to keep our secrets and our spots pretty, like pretty safe with us, you know. So being able to just go out there on a snowmobile you don't really have to worry about anyone crowding you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that running snowmobile into a, into a slush pocket reminds me of a story from from last year. And you know, last year there was a, there was a ton of snow on the ice too, mm-hmm. and and we'd get those warm days. So then you'd have like a layer of snow, and then you'd have a layer of water, and then you'd have your ice. And, you know, I was just bound and determined to get out and get fishing. And I could like visibly see a lot of these pockets and, and the snowmobile I run is your, your 97 is going to look like a gem compared to it. I'm running like a a 91 Polaris two up. That's like a, (laughs) like a tank. And I remember I got that sucker stuck into a slush pocket and that was one of the worst experiences of my life because like, that's a heavy snowmobile to begin Mm -hmm. with. Just like a, there's a ton of iron in them, two up like 1990 Polaris's. 100%. And when you have like another however many pounds of water like sucked into the track and then it's like double the weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, brutal. But yeah, we had last year I had to leave my snowmobile on the lake because um, I got it just buried into a slush pocket. And it, it was a pretty close lake like back home. So. Um, we drove the 15 minutes, walked off the lake, whatnot, and just drove the 15 minutes back home. The next day I get, a I get like seven Snapchats from my buddies of my snowmobile and they're like, are you okay? <laughs> like, where are you? Because your snowmobile is sitting in the middle of the lake. But long story short, the track froze the next day because it was in slush. The belt was completely broken and I didn't know that. So... Uh, we had to pick it up out of the slush, load it into a sled, uh, like an otter sled or whatnot, and basically drive it off the lake with a four-wheeler on tracks and 
it was it was a miserable afternoon. I can say that much. So, Oof, that's brutal, and that's that's where it pays to have buddies with some bigger equipment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, we've talked a little bit about the negative stuff here. Let's let's switch it to a little bit more of a positive note. <laughs> so, um, what sort of uh, what sort of tools or lures or products have you have you been using this year that you'd say have have played an aid in your success? Um. Honestly, like early ice, I was using a lot of iFish Pros, the new 2.0s, I guess, that came out last year. Um, those have been, those are great, you know, early and late ice. I really like them. If you want to spread out your lines and stuff like that, really cover a basin. Um, but honestly, I'm I'm so dedicated to one lure, and that is the Rip and Wrap or the TN60. I've just caught so many fish on that lure, but having a second, like, like next to it, like a little buckshot or like a tungsten with a minnow or something like that. Having those two like go together is crucial when you're out on the ice because you never know like what mood the fish are going to be in. Mm-hmm. Some some fish literally might run in and you don't even mark them and it just slack lines you, you know. Or you have that timid 15-inch, 18-inch walleye that just comes up and literally just sits on the bottom. And then that's when you drop down the tungsten and fathead and they crush it. So having the one-two punch, I feel like, has been a huge success for me this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's been a couple in the lure category that I've that I've really opened up to this year. Um, first one, Northland Coffin Spoon for walleye. Mm-hmm. I have that is quickly becoming one of my favorites. It's just got it's got a little bit different action than a lot of stuff out there. And, you know, it, it took me a little while to kind of figure out the cadence and, and how I really exactly wanted to fish it. But now now that I have kind of got it dialed in, that is becoming like, it's for sure a top five favorite walleye bait for me. And it's like, it's, it's edging the way towards the top. Like, I don't know if I can ever have a lure other than a VMC tingler that I have more confidence in catching a, a walleye with. But but that coffin spoon is starting to give a run for its money. Yeah, that that coffin spoon it quickly came off the shelves. Like a lot of people really like that. Um, I haven't really messed with that hyper hammer uh, by Acme, but a lot of people seem to really like that lure. So um, that might be something to try this late ice. But it's one of those things where you could go through the shelves of shields and you know as us anglers, we like to have one of everything because you never know what you're going to like run into out on the ice. Mm-hmm. But with those big aggressive baits, I say it all the time on, you know, the Fargo Shields outdoor page and the stories that if you're catching fish on a rip and wrap or a TN60 or a jig wrap, I feel like you could just drop a hunk of lead down there with a piece of hot dog and you'll probably catch a fish. They're so aggressive if they're biting those lures, but it's one of those things. You got to have one of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be some of the most fun fishing when you're really catching them on that too. And I I have tried that hyper hammer a little bit Mm -hmm. and I I don't know if I have the perfect cadence for it yet. Like I've... uh, I've started fishing like really aggressive with it, like mm-hmm. starting starting to like hit it really hard on slack lines to get it to to move super erratic. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that that the fish I, I can really get them to come in and be interested in it and like calling them in from a longer distance, especially like because since the eye rattles and it's got that other rattle in the middle. So like it's a great, great, great bait for calling fish in from a distance but I haven't quite figured out the cadence on how to seal the deal. It's like, 
I'll give fish to come in and inspect it. And then, then I'm like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like I got a fish here. How do I catch it? And I just can't seem to get them to like fully commit. Like I've, I've got a few on it. So it's like mm-hmm. you start to crack that code, but I definitely haven't like Tom Bowley perfected it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of those things with those big aggressive baits that you're ripping around. Um, you know, I see a lot of people, They'll be out using a TN60 or a rip and wrap number seven or something like that, like a big rattle bait. And as soon as that fish comes in close, their big long strokes then turn into little taps, little taps and raising them up. Like, yeah, you're taking the bait away from the guy or the fish, I should say. But how I fish them is I, if they come in when I'm ripping it, I keep ripping it. You know, that's why they came in and that's why they're interested and keeping that bait away from that fish is just going to make it more mad. So I won't say that I haven't done the tap, tap, tap to get them to bite, but more times often than not, I'm getting most of my bites when I'm ripping that bait as hard as I can. So that's why those fish are coming in. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. Every fishery fish is different. So I just watched a video of uh, Hoyer and Siemens on Devil's Lake, and it is crazy to watch a Canadian and American fish next to each other because they have two different styles. So it it was actually kind of cool to watch them fish and how their cadence like differs between each other. So it just proves that literally every lake is different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you just need to get out there. You need to spend some time, and you need to just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Put in put in the time. And stay mad at them. <laughs> stay mad at them. There we go. You know, you, you got some change going on in your, in your job, but the but the one thing that's going to stay the same is you're always going to stay mad at them, right? Always going to stay mad at them. Always. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, you know, tra- transitioning into, like, upcoming months, um, w- what sort of stuff are you looking forward to there? Um. Well, my month of February is completely booked. Uh, first... First weekend of February, I'm going to Metagoshi. Um, that's like on the Canadian border between North Dakota and Canada. So I'm super excited for that. Chasing after big bluegills, big crappie. Might mix in some rainbow trout too. Um, see how that goes. Uh, next, the next weekend after that, I'm going to Leech Lake for burbot. So we'll see how that goes. I've never fished for burbot before. Um, the weekend after that, I have a fishing tournament back home that I'm kind of excited about. So we'll see how that goes for ice fishing. And then the last weekend of February, we're going to Fort Peck. So, and that's another one of those trips where I'm going to have to talk to one of the locals to make sure that ice is good before we go out there. Mm-hmm. Montana is such a toss up, but I think late February will be good. So. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's uh, that would be super exciting. That's definitely one of my bucket list ones. And, you know, maybe I can join you on that one. That'd be a blast. Hey, stay, um, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> film some content. You know, we're trying to grow this YouTube channel. So I'd say, you know, catching a whole bunch of lake trout or four pack. I mean, that wouldn't make for a terrible episode. Yeah, it's not like before every time I go to Fort Peck, I go watch every single video that's posted since the last time I've been there. So <laughs> it's not like people are definitely doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's a, you know, what's your plan of attack going to be uh, like out on Fort Peck? You know, I've never fished it before. I've always been super intrigued. Like what's what's step one of the process? Yeah, it it's one of those things, especially out at Fort Peck, you, you can't sit in one spot. So you're kind of hoping that there's good weather um, when you go out there, so that way you can kind of hop around. 
but it's more or less just drive to these big like inside turns or outside turns where you know you're anywhere from 70 feet of water to 120 feet of water so looking for those break lines where those trout might be running bait could be super crucial so when we go out there we'll probably be fishing anywhere from like five to 12 miles away from where we access it's going to be it's going to be a journey but it's definitely worth it in the end once you do find those fish Mm -hmm. so yeah so things are going to get a little western out there right it always gets western (laughs) out there (laughs) when you're when you're dragging a lake trout up out of 120 20 feet of water and you can't move them thing things get western really quick (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's a that sort of strikes me as one of those destination lakes you know some people Mm -hmm. say they want to go to Lake of the Woods or Lake Winnipeg, you know, Fort Peck is right up there with that too. And, you know, the nice thing about Fort Peck is it's still stateside, you know, you don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about crossing a border or anything like that. And you can still have yourself one heck of an adventure. Well, and it's, it's so beautiful out there, honestly, like people who live in Montana get spoiled and they don't know it. (laughs) You know, when, when I look outside my bedroom window and it's literally flat, it's like, all right, sick. That's, it doesn't get me excited. But once you go to Fort Peck or you, you know, you go to Utah, stuff like that, where it's just absolutely gorgeous, it makes me want to wake up earlier in the morning, honestly. So having those destination trips where like the scenery is another thing is huge on my bucket list. Like I really want to go to Lake, Lake Cascade. It is absolutely gorgeous there. I've never seen it in perp. Uh, I've never seen it myself, but I've seen it like on photos and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that it looks like a completely different world compared to Fargo, North Dakota. I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, you you wake up, you look out your bedroom window, and it's flat as a pancake. You can mm-hmm. see for like five six miles, and it's all just flat. And then you go out and you see photos from the Cascades, and it's just like that's some pretty stuff, man. Mm-hmm. You wake up and you have that out out your view, like get yourself a cup of coffee and you're you're ready to go <laughs> and it it's one of those things too where i went i used to go to lake winnipeg three four times a year for ice fishing and open water and you know you'd get out of your cabin off the side of the lake or whatnot and you'd look out and be like am i on lake winnipeg or am i on devil's lake north dakota i do not know <laughs> so it is nice though once you do go to Winnipeg, because you look out and you see this big, like huge lake in front of you, and you're like, I really wonder how many like 30 inch walleyes are in there, and why haven't I caught one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find myself wondering that same thing on a lot of fishing. Just you know, you're driving out there, you're so excited, you know, looking at your maps and where you're going to be at the spot, and then you know, you finally get to that spot, and you spend your first half hour jigging and not catching anything, and you think to yourself like man, I wonder how many giant fish I literally drove over to get to this spot where I'm not catching anything. (laughs) It's one of those things too, where, uh, this year, like bringing it back to what I've been doing this year for like success and stuff. I've been telling myself, like, don't get yourself too excited about fishing. Like just go out there, do what you do. Know the, know the way of the water. And like I said, just do what you do. I used to go fishing and be like so excited, like, oh, I'm looking at the netting report. You know, there's 25 fish in here that are over 35 inches, you know, stuff like that. But now it's more or less just just go out there and do your thing. You know, you know more than you think, you know, just go out there and do what 
you've had success with in the past. So, yeah. And you just got to spend your time, you know, living in the moment and enjoying that, you know, as us, you know, hunters or anglers, you know, you spend so much time with the strategy and the preparation and the double and the triple checking your gear and the whatnot. And, you know, you, you often find yourself like almost stressed out about it. It's like, mm-hmm. don't forget that, you know, like all this preparation you're here, like enjoy it no matter what's going on. Exactly. And that's like, you know, we used to go out and I would want to catch the biggest fish because like I brought us out there. We went out there stuff like that. I found the spot. I want to catch the biggest fish. And that kind of changed the past couple of years where I want to see some of the people that I take out to catch the biggest fish because they don't get to go out every day like like some of us do. Like I wish I could go out every day, but I'm fishing a lot. So it's it's one of those things where I want to see someone else have the time of their life and knowing that I was able to be there with them. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of gravitated to that too now, especially having children. Like I've got a six year old now and one, one of the most enjoyable times is like just taking her out and seeing her catch a fish or experience things for the mm-hmm. first time. Or like even, even taking my wife out, taking my wife and her sister out, people that don't fish nearly as much as me. Like the last time I, one of the last times I went out, I, t- I took my wife and her sister and I didn't even really fish. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to turn on, put on my guide hat and (laughs) I'm going to, you know, like we're going to go basin fishing for crappies. And it's like, I've, don't get me wrong. I, I love catching crappies, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's almost more fun to like bring somebody out there and get them to experience that. And you know, like when they don't really get to do that very often and, and to see them catch the fish and see like the excitement in their eyes as they're reeling them off. It's like, it's, it's just super rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all I got to say to that is take a kid fishing. Um, getting the youth out on the ice is absolutely incredible. I mean, half my half my memories from as far back as I can remember, I was a kid and I was able to be taken out by my uncle or my dad or something like that. My grandpa taking me out ice fishing. And like those are some of the best memories that those kids are going to take with them the rest of their lives. So if you have a kid like in your area or you know of a family friend that, you know, they really want to go out and try ice fishing, just take them along. They're, they're not going to be that big of a burden on you. Just sit them down and put a rod in their hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And make sure not to forget the snacks. Oh, yes. I'm sure you know firsthand on that, Mike. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. Have the snacks, have the Capri Suns have uh have youtube kids on standby just in case the fishing gets really bad um you know do you know planning it for nice days too is great Mm -hmm. too because then like they can go out and they can build a snow fort you know they can you know do whatever outside you know like you got to remember their attention span is not what yours is (laughs) (laughs) no yeah that makes sense bringing them out on a nice day would be super nice so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you want them to sit there and go fishing, but at the same time, if they're having fun, just let them have fun. Mm-hmm. So yep. the more fun they're going to have, the more they're going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Just make sure to maybe mark your outside holes. I did step in a hole once when I was a kid, traumatized me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That is a, that is the pro tip right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right. So, um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, moving forward even a little bit. You know, I know I know you're super passionate about the ice fishing sort of thing. But um, let's say, you know, once ice is starting to creep away and uh, and you're looking for content on this Fargo page, are you going to start uh, you start diving into things like turkey hunting this year? I would actually love to go spring turkey hunting. So I just got to have a good end or like have Mike take me out turkey hunting this spring. So, Oh, there you go. You know what here? I've got an, uh, I've got a tip for you here. We, uh, we launched a full turkey series on, on our YouTube channel. It's a full playlist. We went through everything from how to e-scout to how to scout with boots on the ground to how to call to birds when they're on the roost and like literally everything. So before I take you out, I'm going to give you some <laughs> homework and you're going to have to watch that YouTube playlist and then get your feet wet with all this. And then I think we should probably make that happen because, you know, turkey hunting is oh, it's one of my favorite things to do, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I'm uh, thankfully I have ice fishing to keep me preoccupied in the winter. But if I didn't and I was like just focused on hunting, like I would go nuts. Mm-hmm. But like once once like the you know, the snow is starting to leave and things are starting to green up. It's just like, that's the first thing you can get out and you can actually chase after and have that like spring hunting. And, you know, I never really got into Turkey until probably five or six years ago. And then now that I am into it, I think to myself, like, why did have I not been Turkey hunting my entire life? Right. <laughs> you know, just like being able to vocalize with the, with the birds, you know, it's, it's so fun, mm-hmm. you know, like he, deer hunting. I I love deer hunting, but you know, you can't really vocalize back with them. It's like, you'll get into a a stand or you'll do a spot and stock. That's nice. But like to be able to, to call at a Turkey and hear them just fire back angrily and come in full strut and like attack your decoys and stuff. Like it's just, that's really hard to beat. Right. I will say I commend all those Turkey hunters that like, they spot and stock turkeys with a turkey decoy and the turkeys like just come charging at them and they end up like being two yards away from the turkey. I commend you guys. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would want to be two yards away from a mad turkey. <laughs> yeah, they got some serious spurs and stuff. I don't know if I'd want to mess with them there. You know, like, I, I, I'm assuming you're referring to, like, reaping decoys. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yep. so those, you know, like, I will give a caveat to that. Like, public land, you probably don't want to do that for, like, safety purposes. Mm-hmm. But um, that can be one of the most exhilarating types of turkey hunting because it's, like, okay, you know, the turkey's eyes are one of their greatest assets. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they can't smell, so you don't really have to worry about that. Hearing is, you know, okay, good. Mm-hmm. You know, not exceptional, but they have just, like, incredible eyesight. So you just, you have a hard time beating them. So then all of a sudden you just turn that to your advantage. Like, okay, flag them from a distance, use the use your reaping decoy, get behind them. You know, like, you, I've found you have to have the turkeys kind of in the right mentality. So certain, certain seasons or certain birds that aren't used to as much pressure are, are more apt, you're more apt to be successful with it. But yeah, when you get a turkey full strutting and, and charging one of those reaping decoys and you're sitting behind it, like that is, like I said, it's exhilarating. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I'll probably have to. I'll probably have to indulge into spring turkey hunting. I'll I'll watch the, my homework and I'll let you know how it goes for you. <laughs> okay, perfect. I appreciate that. So, all right, Matt. Well, I appreciate your time. It's it's been a pleasure. Um, but one thing we haven't talked about was was those secret fishing spots. So what do, what do you got for us? All right, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. I'm gonna list off three of them. Okay. Gulf of Mexico, Lake Winnipeg, Lake Skakawea. Good luck. <laughs> I feel like I've been cheated, but <laughs> I'm gonna let that one go because I'm still appreciative of you spending the time here. Uh, okay, thank. Good thing we did this. <laughs> and if and if we do another podcast here, I'm gonna expect some real stuff. I'll bring latitude and longitude for you. <laughs> okay, there we go. Perfect. So, all right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. You just heard our conversation with Matt Schneider of the Fargo Shields Outdoors Instagram page. Now, there's going to be a lot of great upcoming content from those guys on the Fargo page, so make sure to be following them on Instagram and take along with their adventures. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.